0: Cause it's a pick A destiny child You know it
1: will be rocking Cause it's flipping insane It's just a pick A destiny child More precious than a diamond On a black machine.
0: Welcome to The Pick We are your hosts John Otney Colin Westman And Sean Lemme Dramatic pause this is the podcast where every week somebody picks a movie, we talk about it, and at the end of the episode, if someone else picks a movie, low concept, high fun, no questions
2: asked. It's all about the rules. What that pause was is Colin and I have been feuding for who gets second billing, uh, oh. just like the stars of the movie we're going to be talking about. And that later. movie
0: is Universal Soldier. That's right. This week, there's going to be a body count. <laughs> body count it does seem like whatever poster you're looking at or just different like imdb wikipedia they always switch the order of who's built first i guess they couldn't decide who was the bigger star at this point in time it's gotta be jean claude but then again i don't really know i don't really know a lot about the history of jean claude maybe we'll get into that a little bit not well versed better better versed in dolph lundgren but even his leading man roles at this time were like he-man and punisher and I don't know if those are actual Like like I know about them But I'm pretty sure no one else went to go see this <laughs> day. Uh, and the reason Because I guess there are some questions asked About the pick That I picked uh, Universal Soldier for this week's episode Is uh, the time this episode comes out Roland Emmerich will have a new movie out Midway And Universal Soldier was Roland Emmerich's kind of his transition into blockbuster territory. He'd made some films before this, but this was like his 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 shot at the the big stage to uh, you know get all the all the buttons to all the big explosions and get to work with <laughs> superstars like Dolph Lundgren and Jean Claude. Uh, so that'll be fun. Also, kind of like a fun added bonus, Terminator came out, and uh, this is pretty much a Terminator knockoff. You gonna see Terminator, Sean? You know,
2: by by the time this comes out I'll either have seen it or know definitively That I'm not seeing it <laughs> But uh, right now it's pointed towards Nazi, but I might be able to turn it around Did I just say it's pointed towards Nazis? <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> I, didn't... I wasn't thinking it, but now I am uh, well, You gotta punch those Nazis yeah.
1: I mean, mildly pleased contributor Matt Carsten Spoke highly of it I can't remember what he said he's like oh it's pretty sweet i read
0: i read the whole wikipedia for it i want to see it just for the opening i'm also really impressed that sean guessed a big twist in the movie just based off one of the trailers i don't even know you may have even guessed it before there's a trailer i don't know you're you're on top of it it just seemed like the only way (laughs) for me maybe we'll get to talk about what that is someday i want to know what it is
1: but we don't want to spoil the movie Even though we haven't seen the movie We'd be spoiling
0: Yeah cause it would be a spoiler for most people Cause no one went to go see it It didn't do very well <laughs> <laughs> I saw that it was doing way way worse Than Genesis Which is weird cause that looks way worse Well back then everyone liked Game of Thrones Now everyone hates Game of Thrones Right That's how it works Those are the rules Uh yeah maybe we'll talk about it another time Uh We'll do a little bonus content, Colin. Sean can tell you about that later. I don't want to ruin Dark Fate for anyone. I like the idea of us ruining Dark Fate despite the fact none of us have seen it. Okay. We just happen to know a crucial twist. So we have created our first Patreon-exclusive
2: content. <laughs> <laughs> Sean spoils part of Dark Fate despite the fact he hasn't seen it. 45 seconds on. We'll include Colin's reaction.
1: <laughs> a gasp. Oh, boy. <laughs>
0: Okay, but before we talk about Universal Soldier, we like to do a segment called Little Picks, where each of us go around and and pick something. It could be a movie or an album or a show that we've we've been into the past couple weeks or whatever. Um, I'll go first, and I'm going to go ahead and pick The Lighthouse. Sean and I went to go see it, and I really, really liked it. Uh, I think I liked it better than Robert Eggers' first movie, The Witch, even. Wow, it is uh, very experimental, but not boring. It's very—it keeps you on your toes. You feel like some shit's gonna go down. It's really funny. It's super gross. <laughs> so much <laughs> farting, like nutty professor level <laughs> farting, in this movie. Hmm. Uh, the dialogue is hilarious. I, I feel like Sean. We've been saying in the past couple days. We just can't stop saying, "Why just you spill your
2: beans?" <laughs>
0: I haven't found ways to integrate it into conversations But it's a, it's a great line
2: It said a lot in the movie And I,
0: I finally went back and watched the trailer It said a lot in the trailer too Yeah, it's so. like, they want you to know yeah. This is the line of the movie
1: They say, yeah. why'd you spill your beans multiple times? Yes. yes Do they just eat a lot of beans? I mean, I guess if they are farting a lot it Makes sense
0: <laughs> Well, don't take the line so literally hmm. Okay it makes probably makes more sense in the context of watching the movie. I would uh, assume so. It is something that I I don't I don't think there's some interesting twists and turns and surprises that I think are worth uh, worth checking out. It's definitely one. I mean, just to see a movie that looks like that in this day and age that's that's all cropped off in like a square and all black and white and hmm. old timey language, uh, one location, just two actors just going at it. Willem Dafoe is amazing. He's giving these crazy insane monologues I was watching this interview with a uh, cinematographer, he's like yeah we just want to make sure everyone looked as ugly as they could was <laughs> like grime everywhere the conditions when they made this movie were terrible they filmed it in Nova Scotia super cold, super rainy, everyone was having a horrible time, but it really works for the movie uh, this has been a pretty good year for horror directors uh, horror auteurs sophomore films Oh uh,
2: yeah, Jordan well, Peele
0: with us, and Ari Aster with Midsummer, and now Robert Eggers with The Lighthouse.
2: What a coincidence! Especially because they all had their debut movies in different
0: years. Yeah, but they all have their second movie in the same. Well, Ari Aster most surprising because his last movie just came out just last year. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, man, what a what a time for like art house horror. Like, is it even horror anymore? I don't know. There's a big chunk of uh, The Lighthouse. Where I'm like, what? Kind of movie is this, (laughs) but there's some stuff in the back half. Is like, oh yeah, okay, I could, I could see some horror stuff in here for sure. Yeah, it's definitely fucking with you. I'm not sure I've quite cracked it either, which I kind of like. It sounds like it's a movie that you can really appreciate from kind of looking into the history and inspiration, some of the mythology that that went into this, because Robert Eggers is very much uh, a guy who does his research before he does projects. It's also
2: such a weird clash of like throwback filmmaking and also super contemporary filmmaking. Especially, I feel like the the editing is very contemporary uh, and sound design as well. But then you, it's like it's shot on these ancient cameras in black and white, like you said, in a four by three aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an experiment. It's that kind of thing that Martin Scorsese is talking about. It's like actually art, not a theme park ride. It was a theme park ride for me. I almost spilled my beans. <laughs> well, he had this essay out today explaining his theme park ride comments, and he talks about how, like, um, Strangers on a Train is kind of like both because it, like, literally ends in an amusement park on a, on a ride, but it's also,
0: like, thrilling because mm, of the acting. Okay. It'd be a great segue if someone's next pick is a
1: roller coaster ride. Call Um, So my pick is uh, Space Mountain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice, classic.
1: Um, You know, I like that it kind of gives you the experience of being in space where like you don't know what's going on and you can't really see anything and you kind of feel like you're going to die.
2: Yeah, stuff is definitely like way closer to your head than you want it to be.
1: That's definitely mm-hmm. the ride You
0: hear about people Like oh didn't the guy Get his head chopped off In Space Mountain I don't know if yeah. that's true But, but the, you hear stuff like that But the that. guy
2: did get His head chopped off On that uh, It was like the wild Wilderness ride
0: right Like the oh, train yeah, ride yeah. Through Wild West town. I'm sure there's lots of rides Where people have gotten Their head chopped off <laughs> Probably not a lot At Disneyland though Yeah we'd probably know About it if it had happened But I feel like Someone's lost something At, at Space Mountain At Space Mountain My dad Man. lost his hat His hat as bad as his head, but it's it's a nice hat.
1: Okay, so my pick is a Netflix show I just finished uh, called Unbelievable. Uh, Stars Toni Collette, who, of course, is always good. And then, uh, I don't know, it's kind of got like a buddy cop dynamic with her and Merritt Weber, who I feel like I've seen in a lot of things, but she doesn't seem like she's starred in many things yet. And then, uh, Caitlin Deaver from, uh, from Booksmart. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's kind of a rough, uh, subject matter because it's about a, a rape case and like a, then turns into being about a series of rape cases because there's this teenager in Linwood, Washington, uh, not far <gasps> from where we grew up, oh. who, um, you know, reported getting raped to the police. And the detectives started building a case, seeing you know possible suspects, you know, a bit trying to figure out what happened that night. But then the um, the victim uh, Marie, who's the character in in the show, she kind of goes back and starts kind of doubting whether it happened. But also, like the police, also kind of are they don't handle it well like they're kind of accusatory after talking to some of the people who know her that she could be kind of unreliable and then um they basically convince her to just say that she didn't actually get raped and then she eventually gets charged for lying about it and then she has to go through that whole trial um but like the show has kind of an interesting dynamic because it shows this thing happening where marie is like kind of ostracized for lying about being raped and then you have these two detectives a few years later who are seeing these other rapes happen in Colorado um, that are kind of similar and then we piece it together that oh the, this is the same guy doing all these things I guess that's kind of a spoiler but you kind of, you, you kind of know it when <laughs> the whole show is just these two storylines going back and forth um, and it's, you know, it, it's a well-made sort of uh, true crime adaptation of a, I think, a, a news article that, you know, uh, was about th- this whole whole thing that happened, this crazy, I don't know, story. And, uh, I don't know, <laughs> Kirkland, Washington, our hometown, is mentioned in it briefly. Oh my gosh. Uh, We're like Jerkland, Washington. Yeah, right. Pretty much. Uh, So yeah, pretty good show.
0: (laughs) Sounds pretty heavy, heavy, heavy subject material. It
1: is, but it's also like I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't delve too deeply into like making you uncomfortable and have to like think about the psychology of. Of these acts, even though it does it like just enough to be, you know, respectful and feel like it's giving rape victims kind of their due, but also, it it it's also fun just watching them sort of like put the put the case together piece by piece, um, yeah. like kind of any good detective uh, story should. Is Merritt
2: whoever Schmidt's girlfriend from the past like his college girlfriend on New Girl
1: yes <laughs> that is what I know her from <laughs> basically she's been in other things I've seen but that, that's what I think of her as well now I think of her as being on this show but yeah that's her
2: that's cool and the book smart girl is the other one the one from Justified the one that's not related to Jonah Hill yes <laughs> gotcha 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 gotcha
1: yeah. what's your little pick sean
2: my little pick is the watchman tv show because i was like fuck that <laughs> and then everybody says good and i watched it all all three episodes that have come out so far and i think they're right mm-hmm. i think it's pretty good so far you guys mm. um I was really confused about how the show was marketed because they didn't just come out and say it's a sequel to the comic book. So I'll just say that now: it's like it's just a sequel to the comic book. It's not a remake. It's nothing. There's nothing weird about it. It's set in alternate universe 2019, where you know, like in the same way that Watchmen was set in alternate universe 1980, whatever, Mm -hmm. and uh, it picks up on. The shenanigans that have follow, followed the uh, absolutely batshit insane ending to that comic book, but it's it, you know, it's thirty years, forty years later, um, so it's not like the immediate aftermath. Um, in fact, like you only have a couple of the original characters in the main cast. Um, mostly, it's a, it's a crop of. New cool young folks um, led by Regina King obviously as, as sort of the star and that's cool I, I think uh, Regina King had a moment a couple years or last year yeah. Uh, and then she chose to do a comic book TV show which is a risky choice but I think it's paying off for her because she kicks ass on it Uh, I was telling John, I think the costumes that the the costumed characters wear are really cool in the show because they're like, they really feel like costumes that would have been worn by characters in that comic book. And Mm -hmm. I think they look like cool and stupid in in a way (laughs) that like regular people wearing a superhero costume should.
0: Yeah, some people look like they just got socks on their heads. Yeah, what was with that one police guy that has like a panda hat you Remember that? Yeah
2: I want more of that So far that's the only we, we see, You see him in the first episode And he hasn't come back in the, in the following two episodes There's a
0: lot of great ideas about And just how this world is built Like how the police officers all wear masks to conceal their identities So they're not targeted by uh, by criminals Or there's a uh, organization That's uh, inspired by I guess Rorschach But they're white supremacists and but like that's so believable how you know you got your like your edgelords and your, your creepy guys today <laughs> who will like totally embrace some kind of pop culture or something and then twist it in like the darkest way to fit their narrative
2: yeah and and race is definitely at the forefront of this show um that was another thing is some people were worried that they would be uh trying to be apolitical uh, but that is definitely not the case with this show um in, in their continuity finally Richard Nixon has uh, been removed from office after like five or six consecutive terms um, and Robert Redford has been elected president and now he's also in his like fifth term and uh, and he passed uh, reparations which everyone calls redford Um and everyone has electric cars but at the same time they never invented uh, the internet or smartphones or anything like that.
1: Wait, is this actually Robert Redford? Like a fictional version of yeah. Robert Redford or is this him playing a character? So
2: far it's just been pictures of Robert Redford but I'm expecting to see him show up because that dude has to keep changing what his last performance is. Okay, He can't be helped. He just mm. has to keep doing one more. Interesting. Um, episode 3 is focused on gene smart's character who is the silk specter from course, the, uh, yeah. the comics um and she just absolutely kicks ass and i'm i i want to give it up to gene smart for a little bit because uh she's made some crazy choices in the latter half of her career doing fargo and legion and now this and she's ended up being like the most badass character on all those shows um
1: so. she's from
0: Seattle. Hell yeah. And she was on the oblongs. <laughs> you guys remember that show? Yeah, I do. The yeah. animated show? Where everyone Will was like deformed. Yeah. Well for all arms or legs. <laughs> My second little pick is the oblongs. <laughs> 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 Alright, yeah. Uh cool and you know richard nixon in uh in watchman also has a cameo in the movie we're going to be talking about in this episode <laughs> that's right and that movie is universal soldier unisol okay so before we get into universal soldier i'd like to talk a little bit about the background um let's talk about roland emmerich I was going to bring this up earlier when I mentioned body count. I just want to ask you guys just as a fun... Body, body count. As a fun little question before we get into this. Do you think Roland Emmerich has the highest body count of any director? If you look at all his films and how many people have died in them? Are we talking on-screen deaths? because not on screen because if you blow up a general. if
2: you blow up a city right yeah that's millions of people so right. luke skywalker would have like the highest death count right?
0: I, well, I was well, i am talking about like directors so like i was also thinking yeah my george lucas is my second pick cuz he blows up <laughs> planets and shit yeah but i don't know Roland emmerich i mean if you look at 2012 that's killed almost that probably killed like 80% of people on earth and i don't know how many people died in the day after tomorrow but it seems like a lot seems like a lot godzilla not so much uh, there's got to be another Independence Day, yeah. Independence Day. Pretty big, man. But I don't know, George Lucas. Yeah, because when you blow up a planet, <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty big one. Uh, my other fun, fun question about Roland Emmerich—I guess I'll, I'll bring up a little later. I, I did a little bit of research on Roland, not a whole lot. Um, so from Germany, uh, rich kid. Not there's anything wrong with that, but you know, feel like I should mention it. What's that After line from Rushmore? Of, T- take so. aim at the rich, the rich, the rich boys. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, uh, he had a lot of opportunities to travel and had a great education. Um, late seventies, he went to the University of Television and Film in Munich, heavily inspired by Star Wars. He just saw the whole planet explode, and he's like,
1: "That's what I want to do." <laughs>
0: And he did have a string of movies throughout the '80s. His uh, his student thesis film has a Wikipedia. It's something called the Noah's Ark Principle, and it is just a poster with a sweet model spaceship on it shooting a laser at Earth. Uh, <laughs> so inspired and, by Star Wars, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And then he did like uh, some sort of uh, what's described as a West German horror fantasy film called Joey. It's got a great poster, by the way. I've never heard of any of these movies. Uh, and made a movie called Moon 44, which was, I guess, his, um, which got his foot in the door. It's it's a another German sci-fi movie, but it does have some, I think it is in English. It stars starts Michael Perry, Lisa Icorn, and third billing, this is weird, Dean Devlin, who <laughs> uh, would go on to be Roland Emmerich's writing partner, but I guess before that he was an actor. But they really hit it off working on this movie together. Wow. And, uh, he just worked his way up the ladder. So they decided, let's hey, let's start, let's uh, let's work on stuff. And I think the one of the first things they came up with was Stargate. It's very in the sci-fi zone at this point in his life. Uh, of course, Stargate they go on to make later on. And I, I guess they got the attention of Mario Casar. So let's, let's let's switch over to Mario Kassar for a minute. Um, Mario Casar was a producer who is famous for uh first blood he kind of discovered rambo he bought there the rights for that book and he's okay. the idea to put stallone
2: in it there's definitely rambo references
0: in this so <laughs> yeah check that So it, rambo is mario cassar's baby and he also produced a lot of 90s verhoeven movies very pulpy action kind of guy and i guess somehow he he caught wind of this roland Emmerich guy and um he gave him a, a a rejected Ridley Scott project to work on first. I wonder if I can remember the name of that. It sounded really cool. It had Stallone in it. Um, the name is escaping me, but I believe the premise was Stallone is on a futuristic train with a monster that's trying to kill people. Huh. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> pretty good, right? Was this a space train? That's an excellent question um, I'm trying to find out Oh, it's called Isobar uh, Let's see, Isobar I... I'll i look at Dean Devlin's Wikipedia real quick <laughs> I, I want to know more about this futuristic space train monster movie I don't know, it looks I'm sure there's some some good information out somewhere But it's kind of sc- sc- scarce on Wikipedia Has
2: Stallone done any
0: monster movies? Obviously, Schwarzenegger had Predator that's an excellent question. I can't think of any, though. He I likes can't. to fight men. He usually yeah, fights men. That's what
1: real men fight each other.
0: Do you think it's disappointing that Rocky never fought a monster or an alien? <laughs> Avon Drago <laughs> is, is close. Avon Drago is basically inhuman. Yeah. Yeah,
2: he's superhuman.
0: Uh, but he's so, not a monster. Really. Yeah. So Mario Cassar, also the founder of... Uh, I'm not sure if it's pronounced Karelko or Karelko Pictures. That was his, his production company. And um, yeah, he was doing all these action movies. At some point, he picks up the rights to Terminator 2. The original Terminator is Orion, but then it fell into some sort of rights issue. And he scooped that up. And Karelko uh, actually did release Terminator 2. And that was a huge hit. And then he's like, let's just do that, like, again. (laughs) Let's just make, basically... Because that was such a big hit for us. Let's just kind of do the same thing again. And he decides, let's do this Universal Soldier script. It's basically Terminator.
1: So So Terminator 2, was that 91? It's
0: pretty close to each other, yeah. 91, the year before.
1: 92.
0: I was wondering, and I couldn't really find an answer for this, if, like, how much did they know about Terminator Before making this, like, Mm. did they have like the script? Did they have dailies? Was it out? Did this movie get made really (laughs) fast? I'm not really 100% on the timeline, but Mm. if you watch this having Terminator 2 in mind, there's a lot of similarities in terms of like there's like a great truck chase in this movie that's (laughs) a lot like the truck chase in Terminator 2. Could just be a coincidence. I don't know. Um, So, the original choice for Universal Soldier was the guy who made The Fugitive. Whose name is escaping me I'm doing this like all Like most of it for memory Except when I looked at The <laughs> Space Train movie uh, Fugitive Andrew Davis I was looking at Andrew Davis's filmography And it's kind of amazing That he made The Fugitive Because before that He just made a bunch of Shitty Steven Seagal movies <laughs> And The Fugitive was like Oscar nominated Oscar winning right? Fugitive kicks ass It's a great movie So I could get um, Why they wanted this Andrew Davis guy. But he didn't like the story. There's a lot of disagreement around in this movie. A lot of people want to take it in a way darker direction than it ended up. Um, So Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich took a crack at it. They kind of made it more fun, a little more silly, a little lighter. And then that's the movie that we got. Uh, Not this dark dark movie i i can remember a couple scenes so when we get to some of those scenes i'll explain the i'll give you the dark version oh
2: of you found script? like
1: the original script
0: i didn't find the original script but i found like a couple like notes on like oh here's here's what they wanted to do and like the imd trivia section
1: i mean i can definitely see how that would be a factor considering it kind of <laughs> the, the issue of ptsd seems like an integral part of the story but it's kind of glossed over
0: yeah uh oh also one fun fact I wanted to bring up I just thought it's funny that coralco uh went bankrupt three years later because of cutthroat Island and I really want to talk mm. about that movie someday because Sean I know you find that movie very interesting it's so fun <laughs> oh man it's like it's a it's the best kind of bad movie. Like, ever. and often you can talk about a movie that just bankrupted a studio. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> such a train wreck. Uh, so this was, I guess, Kralko. Actually, no. I. It's funny, even though they made Terminator Two. I think even when Universal Soldier came out a year later, they were already struggling because Mario Kassar spent would spend a lot of money on scripts. He just for properties and and to try to get big stars, which is weird because you watch this movie and you you can't help but think. Seems like they probably wanted something bigger, right?
1: Not necessarily bigger, but uh, better at acting <laughs> In both of the main roles Yeah.
0: Alright, so yeah, let's talk about it Let's, let's kind of work our way through the movie a little bit It was a top secret government
1: project Pac-Man ice. all of them Designed to create the perfect soldier. No man would ever again have to die in the service of his country. Cryogenically preserved.
0: Okay, guys. Memory
1: clearance. Genetically enhanced. Out of picture. Pretty ugly. Very funny, very funny. Programmed to obey. They're at the tower. Okay, okay, here we go. Who are these guys?
0: 30 hostages held inside the power station at the base of the
1: structure. I said, shut up! Go inside. Begin phase two. March, marks the third successful mission for the Universal Soldier, but there was something they didn't count on. He's
2: not responding. GR forty-four, do you read me?
1: At the end of the mission, he became completely unresponsive. Inside the machine is a man. Do you really think the It's pretty simple. I so I think we, Yeah,
0: speaking of simple, was anyone else surprised at how not sci-fi the movie was? It almost, yeah. I almost like have a lot of respect for this movie. Um, cutting out the stuff that I would normally kind of just nod off or not pay attention to the the, the jargon kind of scenes, it kind of cuts that out. And I guess you could say there's a good and bad about that, but I, I I just found it interesting that they went that route.
2: For some reason, what I knew, I mean, I didn't know much about the movie, but given the title and sort of my vague awareness of the synopsis. Mm-hmm. I thought this was going to be a movie where, like, these two guys were fighting and killing each other like throughout all of time, like into oh, the future. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was so surprised when it's just it it's a, they do one time jump, twenty five years later, and that's it.
0: There are five sequels, <laughs> so I guess I've got that to look forward to. Okay, so this movie opens in uh, nineteen sixty nine, Vietnam. Jean Claude Van Damme plays Luke Devereux who is explained to be Cajun. Yeah. He's 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 he, we're supposed to believe he's American. Mm-hmm. You guys buying Jean-Claude Van Damme as an American in this movie? Uh, here's where it falls apart. When you <laughs> do meet his
2: parents at the end, they don't have over the top <laughs> Belgian accents. They're
1: more like the Waltons. Yeah. Oh, your hey, son? Well, his his mom's like French. She speaks French to him, but then yeah, his dad's just an everyday American guy. Okay. I'll buy that. Played <laughs> by Rance Howard.
0: I just thought it was funny because he's this, you know, he's all, all American soldier guy. Well, fighting. but
1: also he's not doing a Cajun accent; he's just Belgian, and his yeah. mom's just French. Is this before so. or
0: after he played Guile? I think ooh. Ooh, excellent question. I'm going to say before. Yeah, that'd be my guess. <laughs> so he proved himself. He proved himself <laughs> that he could play Americans. So, uh, so Luke Devroe, he's experiencing the horrors of war. His squad members are dying around him. All he wants is to go home. Um, and he uh, he goes into a hut, and he uh, runs into his sergeant, Andrew Scott, very American name, played by the Swedish actor Dolph Lundgren. And we find that Dolph Lundgren has pretty much lost his mind. He has a necklace made of ears, mm-hmm. which is a hilarious touch because they come back to it later, and he, he makes a couple jokes about it. Yeah. I
2: think even at this point, he's like, Do you hear Do me?
0: Do you hear? And he, like, pushes and the he necklace. he literally goes. picks up the necklace and, uh, and drive the point home.
1: Fantastic yeah. comic timing. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: yes. And he's got two, um, two, two young people, two totally innocent people that he's, uh, he's got, that he's getting ready to kill, and, and Luke's trying to get him to stop. And then I think at some point... Um, Scott is
1: who's uh, a weird calling of
0: anything but Dolph Lundgren <laughs> Dolph Lundgren wants him to prove himself by killing them to prove his allegiance to him um, but he refuses and he tries to uh, free them boy gets killed the girl uh, he, they start running I believe Luke gets shot and um, but the girl she's, she looks like she's going to make it but then uh, for whatever reason Dolph Lundgren pulls out a grenade instead of just shooting her and tosses it and she doesn't make it. Yeah, she blows up. And this enrages uh, Luke, and he um, stabs him, I believe. Yeah, I don't. With his bayonet. I, okay, I think it's just yeah, it's just weapons at this point. No kicks. That's later. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the the exact choreography. Because
2: they get the super season. soldier juice later.
0: Yeah, <laughs> super soldier juice later. He stabs Dolph Lundgren. I'm gonna start calling him Jean Claude. It feels weird to call him Luke. Uh, Jean Claude stabs him. If you do that, I will call him Jean Luc Picard at some point. It's just gonna happen. (laughs) We're gonna
1: mess up the name so
0: bad. Well, it's just one of these movies where you can't imagine these guys playing like characters that aren't just them. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're only they only have so much rage. But yeah, he stabs Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren manages to get out one last shot with his gun. Um, They both die. Um, Some soldiers come around later and uh, they zip them up in body bags it's really cool because as they zip up each person it, it goes to black and then their names pop up uh, to get us ready for the opening credits and a soldier says that um, they're gonna be a part of uh, There's, I had a funny name Project Zebra Project Zebra which is like that should be the name of the movie <laughs> so we know that they're they're not just gonna they're gonna do something yeah like they, they, he's also he says that like, how are we gonna report
2: this and the the guy in charge is like, "We're not going to report this. They're all MIA."
0: Yeah, and you know some shits going down. Yeah, so, uh, Sean, do you want to take the lead as we head to Nevada?
2: Oh, I I will because this is my favorite part of the movie. Okay. I think this is the coolest action scene, uh, even though Goldeneye does the same scene better. Don't uh, forget
0: the big plane.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> well, that's where we start, right? With the big plane landed. Yeah, we have the
0: opening credits. And then we have a big ass plane landing in the Nevada biggest Desert. plane you've ever seen. Yeah, and then double it. That's how big the plane is. But why is it so big? Why is
2: it so big? Because the plane opens up, and the truck can drive out of the plane. There's a the biggest truck you've ever seen is inside it's taking for a battle up battle van <laughs> the whole inside of a train of the plane, and it drives out. Uh, why they couldn't. I don't know Why they
0: couldn't just put the trailer in there And then attach it to a truck Why did the whole truck have to go on I'm telling you Sean It's because We find out this isn't just a truck This is basically a traveling lab It's a traveling laboratory yeah. Filled with universal soldiers
2: And and yeah We'll learn later on That a big part of the Unisol program Is that uh, They have to be on ice all the time They have to be cold so, but, but I think they can find a way To keep things cold on an airplane Where things are already Very cold.
0: Should we explain now what the Universal Soldiers are? Yeah. So I think... Does the movie
1: explain what they are? It kind of does. It gives
0: you a little bit... I kind of... Again, I kind of appreciate they don't get too into specifics.
1: It bugged me. I wanted to know more. They don't get into the science of how
0: they reanimate the dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do. They say they
2: have to hypercharge the... Anatomy okay, sure. <laughs>
0: yeah, something, something like know
1: that, what that means.
0: <laughs> So is it like Frankenstein With like lightning coming down I No don't. it's just Jerry Orbach performing surgery yeah. That's how you do it I mean
2: uh, It's basically Robocop In that they've taken dead soldiers And turned them into immortal yeah, Slave it soldiers um it doesn't seem like there's any th- like thing specifically about uh these particular soldiers like it's maybe It's also
1: just like why soldiers that died 15 years ago when their like corpse of rotted or something like Well that. we don't even know are that
2: they like, they could be from all wars since then too.
0: We only know that the two are from Vietnam. Yeah. I think they just had to wait till they had the ultimate specimens. <laughs> Cause you just look at the these guys and, the and they are so buff.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're just looking for the most ripped corpses they can. Yeah, ride. super
0: ripped corpses that they brought back from the dead, and they have to constantly cool down in like their lab that that just shoots like mist everywhere because they overheat, and I guess they'll die. And they also like start to get their memories back. The and they part. they don't go into it too much, but you they do have somewhat superhuman abilities at least. They're amazing soldiers for one thing. Like they have amazing range and strength, but also like, I wish they'd into more of this super speed, is suggested at one part. <laughs> uh huh. So they're you know they're like they're like X Men. Yeah, like Wolverine. They basically. can all Wolverine. Like, heal oh, they can heal regenerate. When when they can, the, can regenerate but when only they a, when they're in the ice. Only when they're in the ice. They have to get near that, some ice, and then they can heal their wounds as well. All right. So let's talk about this. Their their their, their mission.
2: So the um. Terrorists have taken control of the Hoover Dam, and they're killing the hostages. And so the uh, the situation is so bad, the Unisols have been called in, and it's fucking sweet as shit. They 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 they, they, they drive their <laughs> so the plane lands. They drive their bus off the plane. They get out, they run 15 feet to a helicopter, (laughs) and then they take off again.
1: They couldn't just jump out of the plane
0: or something.
2: No, it's too dangerous. You need to go through all the forms of transportation they could. There's a train (laughs) waiting. See how they
0: didn't jump and then landed a boat.
2: Uh, Yeah, they should have had a boat for them, because they do jump out of the helicopter, which is totally sweet. Um. They like climb up the dam with like their bare hands. So cool, so manly, super manly. Uh, I feel like some some like reporters and cops are like on the sidelines being like, "Holy shit, that's so
0: cool!" Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So it seems like the American (laughs) public knows of this vaguely, but they don't know the details. They don't know where these soldiers came from, but they know that they exist.
2: Yeah, and and there's a one part where I think one of like the leader, the main scientist guys, like this is the third successful test of the Unisol program. So apparently they're deploying these zombie super soldiers exclusively on American soil, which is really freaky. Um, but anyway, this op is fucking sweet. They like they <laughs> shoot these guys from a million miles away with pistols right in the head. Boom, headshot. Both Dolph Lundgren uh, and Jean-Claude Van Damme do it, so you know they're equals. They're equally badass, <laughs> which will be important later. Yeah. Um, then they like climb down the other side of the dam, the side without the water. Super cool. James Bond did it cooler, but it's still super cool. Um, and then they, I think they have the best display of why this Universal Soldier program is useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they have a third Universal Soldier I don't remember which one Is it the, is it
0: the NASCAR guy? <laughs> yeah, Colin, I was looking up what all these guys did Like some of them are bodybuilders So there's one guy who's like a famous stock car driver <laughs> No, I think it's one of the big dudes It's like the guy later Who's eating the big meat, right? <laughs> <laughs> like the big piece of raw meat Big meat, maybe, maybe not But it's, it's a big man
2: Um so they have him go into the hallway where the terrorists have all the hostages with a camera and the guys the hostages or the the terrorists are like stop or we'll shoot and the guys keeps walking and filming uh and the ter- so the terrorists like gun him down and you're like oh man what a waste of a universal soldier but he, at least he like relayed the info to jean-claude and dolph lundgren so they can take him out So, those two guys come in and they shoot two of the terrorists, but the third one, the guy who got shot down dead, just gets up and he murks the last of the terrorists. Hell yeah. Fucking sweet. You got an immortal soldier? Why not use him?
1: Right.
0: So, I can tell you right off the bat um, one thing that I read was this sequence in the original script was that this terrorist attack was something manufactured by the government. Like, they said it was an inside (gasps) job. Those fuckers. just, Just to practice. So they're actually killing people for real Yeah, action. a lot of civilians are dead So that's one of the dark things as in the original script That they Holy wanted to cut out shit. For the Roland Emmerich version
2: That does make sense because we learn nothing about the terrorist demands Yeah, or... what are they even
0: do? They're going to blow up Hoover Dam? Like, was... Is there a bunch of money hidden in there or something?
2: <laughs> well, if I remember Transformers correctly uh, Megatron is hidden deep within the depths of Hoover Dam So that's a pretty valuable prize
0: also one other thing important to mention about the sequence is Jean Claude Van Damme sees some Asian people, which reminds him of Vietnam. Oh yeah. I think they're even I looked up they're even the same actors. Oh. So of okay. course.
2: Okay. So it's not just
0: it's not just like races like I mean like all
2: Asian people look alike.
0: <laughs> I've seen Asian people in Vietnam. <laughs> it's the same people, man. Same people. Well that's okay. So no we can tell that uh, that Jean Claude He's not just a killing machine He can kind of tap into a little bit of His old self, his old memories Like yeah. RoboCop, yeah, a lot like RoboCop A lot like RoboCop uh, So let's jump ahead a bit and let's introduce uh, Veronica Roberts Who's a journalist, played by Allie Walker Not an actress I'm familiar with Do you guys like this performance? The female lead here? Colin, do you like Allie Walker in this movie?
1: Um, yeah, she's pretty good It's a thankless role <laughs> i mean she does her best to like <laughs> create some like comic chemistry between her and john claude doesn't really pull it off but that's kind of his fault but uh, uh she's you know she's like perky and i don't know energetic which is something <laughs> this movie lacks in the performance department
0: I like her too I think she does a good job I was shocked I'd never heard of her I'm not really sure where her career went I think mostly TV yeah. it was just interesting that this is a movie that has so many people where it's like yeah but they didn't really go on to do a whole lot else like if anything this was like their biggest movie and then they went on to do like way smaller stuff it's not like there's like a like oh see that guy that tech in the corner that's Greg Kinnear you know it's not something like that it's not that kind of movie yeah. Uh, but yeah she does, a, she does a I think she has a solid job yeah. And so she's trying to get to the bottom of this Universal Soldier program. So she and her uh, ca- cameraman buddy I guess uh drive to the where they've set up camp. I don't remember how they got the lead there, but the weird thing is it's
2: <sighs> she shows up like to report. She's like smoking a cigarette and stuff and her boss is like come on, you gotta take this job seriously. <laughs> so I guess it was she's she's trying to make up for doing her job fine but not being yeah. enthusiastic about
0: it. Right. <laughs> she's just a, she's just a good journalist. So they uh they they uh track the universal soldiers at their camp and she goes in to investigate. She finds a uh, scientist by a uh, this universal soldier that got shot in like his cryo tank just yeah. kind of outside. And uh, the scientist walks away and then she uh takes the opportunity to go up and and take pictures. And check out this this the slain soldier, only to find out that this guy is not dead. He starts getting up. Cameras alert! Awoga, ooga, and um, she has to get the hell out of there. There's something, John, and I noticed at the time. It's like it's like a submarine alarm. It's not the typical. <laughs> <bomb. laughs> and then as, uh, what follows is a sequence that I very much enjoyed. This is one of the pleasures of watching an action movie from the '90s. She gets her camera uh, guy buddy to to drive off, and they crash immediately in a pretty gnarly crash. Yeah, they, like fly up a junk ramp. The the universal the soldiers are sent after them, and they crash in like five seconds. It, it, they're in the middle of the desert too. There's plenty of places <laughs> not to crash, and their car just totally just spins over. Just you know, it should have probably killed them both. Uh, but they're fine. But the universal sh- soldiers show up. And um, uh, Dolph, Dolph Lundgren's leading the pack, and I, I I don't remember why, but he just picks off the camera guy like right off the bat.
2: I think it's because she won't hand over the film.
0: She yeah, for the pictures the that she took of the body, and uh, and Dolph Lundgren just remembers that he's just all into killing. <laughs> yeah, but at the same
2: time, that moment triggers Jean Claude Van Damme he remembers the other time that those two people had a man and a woman on their knees and he shot the
0: man and here's something interesting how in this scene I, you know I'd expect them to get like apprehended brought back all that jazz but uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme just breaks at that moment he's yeah. like let's get out of here mm-hmm. I, you're, I need to save you because remember the thing that he remembers is he has to go home alright yeah, that's what we
2: learn later. It's like you, the emotion you were experiencing when you died. It's like perpetually the, the emotion you're yes. living in.
0: Dolph, so Dolph Röntgen says he still thinks the war is going. Yeah, it's like a so murderous rage. So must kill everyone and make ear necklaces. <laughs> so, yeah, I appreciate... I mean, it's kind of dumb, but I appreciate that this movie just gets right into it. It's like, okay, we're on the run. It's that kind of movie. We're on the run from all the super soldiers. Should we just go to the hotel, I guess? The motel? No, because then we'd be skipping
2: your favorite part of that sequence, which is when they run out of gas.
0: Oh, yeah, they run out of gas. And uh, Dol- or Jean-Claude Van Damme gets out of the car and starts pushing the car, and you see it like get up to like 35 miles per hour. <laughs> you don't actually get to see his his legs kicking, uh, so you don't get to see that. He has super speed, but he has super speed. He's got super
2: speed. And super strength, I this, guess.
0: This is kind of a weird part of the movie, it, and it's funny because this is the rest of the movie is... What kind of character is Jean-Claude Van Damme? You never quite get a feel from. I kind of found it hilarious because you realize that these soldiers don't know anything. (laughs) They don't even know how to eat food. What do they do all day? They just know how to
2: kill. And it's not explained why they don't know how to eat food. Right? I assume
0: that they just inject them with stuff. They're, They're just on IV
2: or something the rest of the time.
0: I guess so. Uh... So they end up at, at this motel um, Run by a, a not very interesting character actor he's, he's Who's trying to ham it up <laughs> <laughs> At least his mom is doing a good job Oh yeah, you know, the, the classic The grandma sitting in a, in a rocking chair Oblivious to all the madness Going on around her uh, They get a room Jean-Claude strips down for the first time because he's he's, He gets naked a lot in this movie At least twice prominently naked yeah because he's overheating he's overheating he needs ice so they need to go and uh, get one of those the bags a bunch of bags of ice from those like uh, ice box things they have at hotels and he starts cooling down i figured they'd go right to the sex scene uh but no luckily this isn't that kind of weird gross movie i don't think they <laughs> ever did that
1: It'd be pretty weird if she's just like I'm going to fuck this robot right now. I just feel like in a lesser movie. Maybe <laughs> not this to part know him at all.
0: Maybe not at this part, but I always thought they were going to have sex at some point. Just even based yeah. off of the first Terminator, you know, she has sex with Kyle Reese despite the fact that they're being pursued by a killer
1: robot. Yeah, doesn't seem she like there's time. She just never seemed really that interested in him like sexually. She's just like, wow, this guy's weird. He's he's so He's so buff though He is. Buff. He's so hot. Uh, it's and, got buns of steel, Kong. And again, like I this know. movie, I just don't know if that's what she's into. Maybe she's into a <laughs> more spelt guy. I
0: don't know. And again, this movie has no filler. We we, we don't have much time before the universal soldiers show up because, of course, they would. I think we found out later there's a tracking device. So that's how they can track them so mm-hmm. quickly. Which leads to a, a pretty gnarly uh, sh- uh, shoot up of the uh, of the motel. That uh, leads to a scene where Jean-Claude is jumping through walls. He's, is he doing that naked? Or is he wearing some clothes? He must be wearing clothes. He's not jumping through walls naked. In my mind, he's naked a lot and a lot in the movie. <laughs> I think he was wearing something.
2: Yeah, they do the thing where he's like standing outside and then they show up. But like time has passed so he's able to hide.
0: Okay, yeah. Bursting through walls. Uh, this movie tries to insert some more humor with like some young people having sex. And they're like, oh no!
2: I still don't know how they didn't get shot.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's a hole in basically every single corner of that place. And they didn't get killed. Uh, I feel like
1: that scene is in every action movie.
0: <laughs> where it's like, let's shoot a million bullets at something. And well, no,
1: where two guys are fighting oh, and they burst the into uh, two sex. people having sex yeah, in a hotel room
2: the only thing people do in motels is have sex. That's what they're there for. They're for you to have sex and then leave. So if you're going to burst through a room, you might as well have some people having sex. Especially if your leads aren't having sex.
0: But they use it to their advantage because when the Universal Soldiers look for them, they're hiding. That's right. They hide
2: in their marital bed.
0: Pretty clever. Oh, we, we never mentioned the Universal Soldiers have sweet little, like, eye cameras that uh, the scientists back at the uh, super bus can can watch everything they do through <laughs> It's them. super low def. Because, like, uh, it looks it looks like Sega CD graphics. Because these guys can't really do anything without being told to do it first. Yeah. But you can you can slowly tell that Dolph Lundgren is kind of gaining his independence and, and kind of breaking free from this because, he, he, you know, he's not going to take orders. He gives the orders. And uh, they're on the run again They end up at a um, Crappy roadside Gas station uh, Another scene where Dolph Lundgren gets naked to <laughs> Not Dolph Lundgren, but Dolph Lundgren Damn it, it's easy to fix it up uh, He wants her uh, To take out his, uh, his tracker uh, Pretty huh. hilarious scene, right guys?
2: Yeah, like in the Terminator When he cuts parts of himself
0: off It did remind me of that scene But it's funny because it's like down near his legs. So she's like hanging around near the butt groin. Oh, yeah. And they frame the shot in a very comedic way. And
2: there's even the thing where he's like, look for something hard. (laughs) And she implicitly grabs his penis. And he's
0: like, is it supposed to be like that? They can't. They don't know anything. He doesn't even know about his bone penis. He doesn't know how to eat. He doesn't know anything about TV or anything. He doesn't even know about his penis
2: you saying he's some sort of machine designed only for killing? I'm
0: just... I feel like they made them a little too dumb. I think we need to set... Even though I like... On one hand, I like this movie cuts out the bullshit. I feel like we need to establish what the Universal Soldiers... Like, what their lives are to some extent. I need to know what he knows. Because as far as I... It's, it's kind of like that cliche that's usually more for, for women in, the, in movies. Like the sexy baby syndrome where it's like he's just there to basically be like eye candy but like
1: he's so sexy little boy
0: yeah he's so dumb he's so (laughs) stupid it's so funny there's so many scenes in this in this movie where i'm like oh this is a great opportunity for a one-liner but i know he's not going to say one because he doesn't know any because he's so dumb
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's like he at least they preloaded the terminator with some zingers
0: you have the great and this movie desperately needs a scene like that um we're in terminator 2 where john connor's teaching him like the lingo and stuff and teaches him yeah. uh, certain things you can't kill people all this stuff that that really fleshes out the character they kind of build upon the character they're they they do not really have that in this movie they they teach she teaches them um veronica teaches them that joke it's like oh Bob. Buckle up, or he says buckle up, or there's a recurring joke about buckling your seatbelt. Yeah, it's
2: not even a joke. He just says buckle up, and she's like, "Fuck you," and then she does buckle. Up. <laughs> but it comes back later when they slam. It does the come back
0: later in a satisfying way, at least. Yeah, he has um, very little like
2: agency for almost the entire movie. He like he wants to protect her, and that's as far as he's thought of it, right? Like, yeah, they don't have a place they're running to. She's not even necessarily like trying to expose the truth. It's just let's not get killed.
0: Basically, it's fugitive.
2: But the fugitive,
0: he's trying to expose the truth of what
2: happened. <laughs> I guess that's he's
0: true. trying okay. to find the man who killed his wife. I was just trying to see if I could compile as many other movies into this movie as I could. I'm trying. Should we take a minute to talk about Jean Claude Van Damme as an actor? Or just he's as he's not person? an actor, he's yeah, not okay. He's let's talk about uh, Colin you want to take the lead on this Jean-Claude Van Damme as a performer
1: as a performer well I don't I can't say I've seen much of his work other than Street Fighter and (laughs) I feel like there's so much going on in that movie that you kind of don't pay as much attention to what he's doing even though it's probably all not very good Um, yeah he is just really flat in this movie and i know that's like kind of the point because he's a robot man but he's not even like a good robot man you know (laughs) like every time they set him up for a a like deadpan response to something i'm like imagining or like anticipating the the funny line reading that arnold schwarzenegger would give as the terminator and then i actually hear john claude van damme do it and it's just Kind of weak and doesn't really Have an impact and it's not funny uh, So yeah I, just, I, don't, I don't know Wasn't feeling it But he does some good kicks He's oh very muscular <laughs>
0: Like if, if anything And we'll get into this when we talk about the end of this movie It kind of made me want to watch More Jean-Claude Van Damme movies Because the man is such an excellent martial artist His kicks are the best I've ever seen in a movie These, These roundhouse kicks he does yeah They're, he's like a ballet dancer does he have a background in that i bet he must right because he's just so <laughs> angelic he just glides through the air with kicking people in the face of course he's famous for playing kickboxer a movie that i totally forgot that i have actually reviewed on our website mildlyplease.com It's not a very good movie but it has amazing kicks i could see that sean <laughs> left a comment on this um that is just a link to all the kicks in the movie. Oh, so good. I love that movie. <laughs> that version of Kickboxer. Isn't, that, isn't it a story about, like, it's either this or Bloodsport, where, like, Donald Trump's kids were watching it, like, on a plane in the 90s? And, like, he, he, like, got them, like, some mashup up or, 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 like, made it so they just skipped all the fighting scenes. Like, he didn't like watching anything else. What the fuck? There's some story with Donald Trump. As if they uh, could Kickboxer. make me hate him more. <laughs> you know, I really didn't hate Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie. Yeah, he's, he's flat. The character is flat, but it seems like the character is written to be flat. It seems like the character written knowing his limitations. Like, it's yeah. not like... If they'd written more for the character, I don't know that Jean-Claude would have lived up to the task. Hopefully. But I don't know. I kind of like I kind of like him. He's kind of... He's kind of sweet. Like, I know I was criticizing him being a sexy baby, but at the same time, I kind of find, him like, Oh, poor guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's trying. Like, it's not really, like, a macho man, tough guy performance. Like, he's definitely showing off his physique and fighting, but... I don't know. He doesn't come off as like a bro or something. He's like a sexy ballet dancer. That's He just wants to go home. He just wants to go home. And and I think that too, like his motivation is that he just wants to go home. He's basically (laughs) (laughs) E.T. So I didn't hate it. I thought it was okay. And I want to see more Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Sean and I watched the trailer to Cyborg after this, and it looks pretty looks pretty great at least the kicks look pretty good yeah it it. looks like Mad Max it looks looks like like it's yeah it's Mad Max but in that movie Jean-Claude Van Damme has to protect a cyborg yeah sexy lady cyborg with his kicks and I think it has one of these other guy buff guys is in that movie too one of the other universal soldiers
2: um he did take ballet at the age of 16 for five years and he (sighs) said yes ballet is an art but it's also one of the most difficult sports if you can survive a ballet workout you can survive a workout in any other sport.
0: That is a really manly. To be like, to talk about ballet in that way. Actually,
2: like a lot of football players like, learn
0: ballet, too. Did you know that? No, no, I didn't. Well, yeah, I can believe it. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so Jean-Claude Van Damme sets a trap and blows up the whole gas station where all the Universal Soldiers show up. Yeah. yeah. Kills a bunch of them. And he trades clothes with Joe. Who's uh, the gross uh, mechanic or just old coot that runs the gas station? Yeah, who's had his whole livelihood destroyed? Uh, that's, that's pretty funny, right? That guy sucks. I guess it's it's around this this point too that Jean Claude or Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> it's so hard, Dolph Lundgren. Finally takes command. Um, I'm not sure. I, we kind of skimmed over. There's a colonel who is is kind of a pivotal character early on in this movie, who's kind of in charge of the universe, the Unisol program. Colonel Perry, played by Edo Ross, who just looking him up on Wikipedia, I guess was also in Full Metal Jacket as some soldier. But there's a lot of people in that movie. I was reading like a fun fact too. That's like he's often mistaken for Eddie Van Halen. And I'm like, that's a lie. No way, that's true. <laughs> But he gets killed
2: at some point. Well, what's funny is um, they blow up the gas station and they know that he's, that, um, they, they he's taking the tracker out of his leg. And so the, this colonel guy's like, well, I guess that's it. They've gotten away.
0: That's it. He calls off the mission.
2: <laughs> Mission's over. We'll never find them. <laughs> They're maybe a mile away from us. It's impossible to ever find we'll them We'll never again. find
0: the super violent super soldier that doesn't know how society works. <laughs> and has to be dunked in a bath of ice every couple hours or he'll die. Uh, Dolph Lundgren's not having that. He kills Colonel Perry. He takes control of the lab van. And holds all the scientists in it hostage. And that's his new mission, is to kill uh, Jean-Claude, because he is a deserter, just like he was in Vietnam, for not killing those poor civilians. Yeah. Pretty simple plot for this movie. I figured, before we watched this movie, that it was going to be some way bigger scheme. Spanning generations, and space and time. But it's really just a game of cat and mouse, between two super soldiers, over just two time periods. Yeah. You know? That's all it is. Uh, we get a great scene. We get a nice tour of the American
1: Southwest in this film as well: <laughs> Nevada,
0: Arizona, Utah. I believe it was all filmed in Arizona. Look that up. Sucks. There's a, a hilarious scene where Jean-Claude Van Damme learns to eat food, <laughs> which he enjoys. Yeah. So those people were like looking to start something, right? <laughs> There's uh-huh. like some hillbillies that. That that was I'm my on. favorite
1: scene in the movie where he just eats a lot of breakfast and then the movie turns into roadhouse for a few minutes. <laughs> He's just like fighting a bunch of guys with really bad mullets.
0: So I guess I should have mentioned um while they right before this when they blew up the gas station they did run into the super van briefly and stole a bunch of files and documents. So they're at this diner and um Allie Walker is reading about like uh, Jean Claude's um History and all that, and she goes out to make some calls. So he's in there uh, eating food, and then I guess the cook comes out and it's like, "How are you going to pay for this food?" And it's like, "Does someone come in the middle of your meal and ask you how, like, if you're suspicious, like a character? How are you going to pay for this?" It's
2: not. I mean, it's not quite that dumb because the waitress is first, like, because uh, he's ordered like everything on the menu, and she's like, "Can you pay for all this?" And he's just like, "Hmm." Because no. he can't say something funny I don't know well, of course not. <laughs> And so that's what brings the chef out Because he's like I've been slaving over a hot stove to feed you How are you going to pay
1: And he's like I don't want to fight you Yeah he but doesn't he want does. to fight Because
0: everyone wants to fight him for some reason It's one of those movies where like There'll be guys over at a pool table it's like, I best guess we better get in on
1: this Yeah <laughs>
0: I never understand that in these kind of movies, these kind of action movies, where like everyone in the bar or diner or whatever is like, well, I guess we gotta fight, yeah, and they, we gotta do it one at a time. They didn't even, even though I, I just saw my friend get his ass whooped. I think I have a shot.
2: Like he didn't even lay a hit on him. He got kicked in the face and fell down, and he's not getting back up. But I think I could take him. And John
0: Khan's still eating the whole time. Yeah pretty funny.
2: So it is. It's kind of like the Terminator 2 bar close ceiling scene.
0: They must have seen the movie and or like an early print or something. It's so similar.
2: But it's also kind of sort of like a little Jackie Chan homage because he's like, I don't want any trouble. I just want to eat. That's that's Jackie Chan's whole thing. He doesn't want any trouble. But trouble's always coming for him.
0: Okay, So they find out they need to go to this veteran's hospital.
2: Yeah, because the guy who started the program, the Unisol program, is there
0: I think it's is it in Utah that's where they need to go they're already there mm.
2: conveniently enough. somewhere in the American South
0: yeah and uh, I'm trying to remember so there's that sequence I'm trying to remember the grocery store sequence happens I feel like that's around the same that's day. a
1: little later
0: okay so how, where do they go from the the diner do they just go from the diner to the veterans hospital
1: that's how I remember it. Okay,
0: let's go to the Veterans Hospital then. Uh, they go there. Jean-Claude has kind of flashbacks. It looks familiar to him. And that's where they meet up with one of the only other famous people that I recognize in this <laughs> movie. Jerry Orbach from Law & Order. Looking like he's always looked his entire life as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Just some old guy who... Uh, who it's weird that... I kind of liked it that this this very complex government program was carried out by some, like, guy who now just kind of lives as, like, a small-town doctor or something. Very very Also,
2: like, the program just started. Like, they're only on their third mission. Why is this guy, like, not with the program? He
0: seems like he's just done. He's retired. Yeah, (laughs) There's a pretty simple life here. And I guess this is where he fills us in on everything we kind of already knew just from reading, like, the plot summary on IMDb. I think everyone kind of already knows the gist of this movie going into it through the advertising so i don't know that he really gives us any real bombshells of information that are interesting i guess he kind of fills us in on that aspect that we touched on earlier where they're they're living out the last thing they remember um i I don't know that you really needed him in here i don't know that he adds enough
1: I guess they were just able to get Jerry Orbach for one day of shooting, and they're just like, "Well, he can just say some stuff that we already know." And it, that's fine.
2: It does finally give us um, like character motivation for Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Because hearing this, um, he's like, "Well, I'm dead, and so is Dolph Lundgren." Yeah. And so um, he's he kind of I think. Gives up on his "I need, just want to go home" mission, and instead resolves to
0: killing Dolph Lundgren. So yeah, he's he's got a he's got a place he needs to go to. Let's talk about that grocery store sequence, though. So. Okay. Where uh, Dolph Lundgren comes to a grocery store to try to put like his dead soldier buddies into their ice their cooler room. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And this is the scene where Dolph Lundgren really tries to act. He uh, he's like kind of shouting at everyone in the grocery store. Um, acting like he's still at, at war, giving some kind of war speech, mm-hmm. pointing a gun around. He's got his big, big buddy eating big, big raw steak. But this is the scene where I, I feel like we finally really get to see Dolph Lundgren act. And how does how does he do, guys? <laughs> Pretty good, right? Not not great. <laughs> no. Uh,
1: yeah, I really we haven't talked much about him no. In this movie either. He is also not very charismatic i would say he's horrible <laughs> he's very bad in this movie especially when you already have you know jean-claude van damme who's not quite an actor either he's more just like a i don't know like a stunt man basically but he's yeah. handsome enough to star in movies also uh yeah, I I just feel like it should have been like a character actor or just someone who knew how to fucking act to be the villain in this movie, not someone who's an even worse actor than the Judd Club. It's so
0: disappointing because Jean or, or Dolph Lundgren, we we know him as Ivan Drago, and he doesn't do much to say much in that movie, but he has such a presence on camera. He's so intimidating. Yeah. He's so scary, and in this, like his look, yeah, he looks very scary. But then he talks, and he becomes so laughable. He just, he he can't, uh, he can't be passionate and dramatic. It comes off as really, like, half-hearted, half-assed. His accent, I, I, I'm trying not to criticize his accent, but I don't know what he's doing. I know he's originally from from Sweden. I'm not sure if he's trying to do an American accent, or if that's his natural speaking voice. It, it sounds kind of like a garbled mess of things. And he's, he's trying. He's trying to do, like, yeah. like... He's trying to be joke and he's trying to be scary and dramatic all all in the same scene and he's just none of it's really working it feels all over the place and I'm just watching this and I'm like why did they give him so many lines? <laughs> they gave him the monologue from the end of Rambo
2: he's talking about like you people don't know what it's like and the, the war's over for you but it's not over for me
0: it' I can't believe I've we've been talking about this I, I talked about Mario Kassar earlier. Like, yeah, there's the Ram- he's the Rambo character. He's the... the, the P- I mean, this movie is... PTSD is a big part of this movie, but, like, he's like, what if Rambo had become an evil super soldier? <laughs> Which he sort of does if you see Rambo 3. It does make you wonder, like... I, I couldn't find any information on this. Do they want, like, Stallone and Schwarzenegger to play these Goodness, parts? It really... It just
2: <laughs> seems like they wanted Stallone and Schwarzenegger. They're like, what if Rambo had to fight the Terminator?
0: Do you think yeah. Stallone would have been Dolph Lundgren just because... Of the Rambo connection, or do you think the Schwarzenegger would have been the villain? What do you think's the better choice?
1: I mean, I think Stallone would be better. It's just hard to see because he never really plays villains. Yeah. That
0: would have been cool. Schwarzenegger has definitely played villains. But I would have yeah. loved to see, see Stallone as the villain. But I don't think they would have done that though, because he's too short.
2: There's um there's a great they have these you can see them on youtube now they have they'll, they'll sit actors down i forget what magazine does it like yeah. right or whatever um and they'll talk about their careers sort of role by role uh-huh. not not literally every role yeah um but Schwarzenegger did one of those recently um and it's so funny because everyone else has anecdotes uh and it's like a humanizing and relatable thing to watch these um I mean, with Schwarzenegger, it's just all about ego. Like, every role, he just talks about how, like, nobody said I could do it, but look at me, I did it so good. <laughs> and, like, he talks about the box office every single time. When he talks about uh, the Terminator. He's, he talks about uh, how, um, like, how many people played the number one villain of all time and also the number one hero of all time. And it's the same role. It's, he's... He's exactly who i want him to be at this point in time and at all points in time
0: man it, just, it would have been so great if he's a universal soldier <laughs> yeah okay my my new dreamcast universal soldier arnold as the jean-claude part and the bad guy from commando vernon wells <laughs> as the Dolph lundgren part i want like some out of shape big fat character actor guy to be the Dolph lundgren part yeah
2: imagine all the shirtless scenes he would have to do <laughs> <laughs> or would he still be wearing a black t-shirt and <laughs>
0: chainmail? Like yeah, the mesh chainmail. But no, we get, um, we get Dolph to embarrassing himself. <laughs> I feel bad, though, because like, I don't really know that much about Dolph Rundgren, but I assume he's a nice guy. He's a smart guy. Do you know that like, he went to MIT? I've heard things mm. like that before. It, it seems like... He, it's just weird to think that someone like that's so smart and committed to... I mean, to they... bodybuilding and fighting and stuff is such a terrible actor. Well, they don't
1: have an acting program at MIT. <laughs> <so.
0: laughs> yeah, what did he study there? I'm sure you, you don't you don't think it was martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it also comes
2: down to your director, though, right? When you're when you're an actor, you have to trust your director
0: to to help you find your performance. You know, we have not talked about Roland Emmerich that much for as as much as I set him up. I think the reason I, I've kind of leaned away from that so much is it doesn't really quite feel like a Roland Emmerich movie. It, it feels like mm. it, it definitely feels similar in that it's, it's a lot of practical stunts and a lot of cool sci-fi elements, stuff that he likes. But these aren't really the kind of characters in the kind of movies he did later on.
2: That, and that's sort of where I was going with this. Okay. Roland Emmerich is known for these epic movies with ensemble casts. And I want to believe he made this, and he was like, "Okay, I can't ever rely on actors again. So I'm never <laughs> just going to have two stars and have big monologues that that like are the focal points of the movie. It's going to be huge set pieces and a million people. So you don't even like it
1: doesn't even matter. Do you think there is there was any factor with the fact that?" a lot of these guys speak english as a second language because they're all like european but they're from different you know european speaking countries
2: are you suggesting like no one on the set knew what an american accent sounded like i just mean
1: they couldn't like uh communicate to each other but i don't know what i'm trying to say oh okay i mean it's just like a director has to be able to talk to actors and you know <laughs> communicate with them as far as like what their vision is and what yeah. they want out and, of the performance
2: and they have nothing in common because now they know how to act
1: yeah
0: I didn't think about how many European people were involved in this right down even like to uh, Mario Kassar actually I think he's Lebanese but still very international um, grouping of, of creative minds to make like the most American thing <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine yeah <laughs> So uh, that's that was, that's kind of funny. Sorry, I'm distracted right now because I'm reading this um, article about how Dolph Lundgren has more education than Bill Nye. No. I'm trying to find out. He he got a Fulbright scholarship to MIT. Oh, he studied. He has a master's in chemical engineering.
2: <laughs> so
0: when he injected himself with the
2: steroids, he knew exactly what he was. Yeah, doing. what did they
0: call it is like su- like just super strength or something? Strength juice? It's not steroids. <laughs> I, I can.
2: I'll try to look it up.
0: Yeah, there's this thing that Dolph Lundgren keeps pumping into his body that gives him superhuman strength. And that comes into play um, in the final battle um, in, a, in a big way. Uh, I guess we can, uh, we can lead to the, the sequence where... Um, I'm not sure how it happens exactly, but Jean-Claude Van Damme and Allie Walker are apprehended by the police. It's a great... I actually really like that shot. I that's think this, hilarious. I think that's very well done. Yeah, that's awesome. Where, uh, you know, he's, he's decided he's going to go home. She's like, I, I don't really need to be here anymore. She's going to get on a bus and go to LA and just leave him. And uh, you see her walk, you know, appear to walk on the bus. And John Clonett's looking all sad. And... Um, the bus moves away And you see Oh she's still there Like oh she's gonna stay And help him And then the bus behind There's a bus behind her And then that moves And there's like 50 police cars Pointing guns yeah. It's a pretty good thing. Hundreds reveal. of police
2: officers <laughs> uh, Well done But it's immediately Let down by the It's film.
0: bizarre Because then it cuts to them on a uh, In some sort of I guess prison mobile Prison, prison bus Where <laughs> prison did this bus come from? With no
2: guards No with, guards It has a driver One driver and, and there's maybe two police Two escorts. police car escorts Each with two police officers So we go from Like literally A
0: hundred police officers To five They just needed All the cops to catch them And then once they realized They got them Most of them could just go home <laughs> uh, So yeah they're, they're taking their asses To prison and Wherever that is
2: <laughs> it's, it's not like it's months later and
0: they've gone through due process.
1: No, they know they've,
0: they've beaten up enough hillbillies and made enough explosions to just go straight it's to jail. It's the Superman rule; they can just drop him off in prison and it's fine. And then uh, Dolph Lundgren shows up in the murder bus, and it's pretty—it's pretty fun. He's just like uh, ramming into police cars, shooting police officers. It gets pretty exciting when he shoots the driver of the. Um, of the prison bus a lot of buses in this advance big <laughs> yeah. vehicles big vehicles ramming at each other and uh while they're doing this it's also chucking grenades into the prison bus and Allie Walker has to repeatedly toss them out best she can and um of course Dolph Lundgren's trying to like find a way to lock pick the uh the the the, the door to to get to the driver's seat and uh how did they get out of that one
2: she, he does it jean claude picks just, the lock he and he takes time. the wheel and he tells uh veronica to jump out and she's like i'm not gonna do it without you and he's like let's well, okay we'll jump together and then she jumps out and he doesn't jump out but then he does jump out so they sort of jump out together
0: and all goes off a cliff <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> I think that's also where the last other Unisol dies, right? I, they've been dropping like flies up to this point. I think there was still one left, wasn't there? The big, the
0: big beefy boy. <laughs> yeah, he sees his buddy. <laughs> that's all he does. He just eats meat. I don't remember much else that he does. He's definitely the hugest. I think that might be the actor. This is kind of interesting. I was reading about a, a lot of like really R- Scott keeps coming up somehow. Apparently, when Ridley Scott was making Gladiator, that big beefy guy is one of the gladiators in Gladiator. Like, I don't know if you guys remember. There's, like, a beefier guy. I don't think he has much lines. He's one of the gladiators. And uh, Dolph Lundgren actually auditioned for that part as well. But they said he just wasn't a good enough actor. And this other guy that didn't even give lines The other guy t- who better? just eats meat and has no <laughs> lines was a better actor, apparently. And he got the part. He is in Gladiator. And Dolph Lundgren is not. So weird. Uh, so, yeah, Dolph Lundgren also off a cliff. And, uh, and Jean-Claude and um, Ali Walker, they... They head to um, Jean-Claude's uh, Where he grew up In Louisiana Because he's American, Cajun guys <laughs> Definitely not Belgian mm-hmm. I found this Kind of anticlimactic and disappointing When he finally gets to meet his parents And, and a, a Very disappointing because one of his parents His dad is Rance Howard and he, I don't yeah. even remember him having a line He has like a couple lines Because <laughs> I just didn't trust him they didn't even write dialogue for him. He's just some guy in overalls. I guess with a French wife. French Cajun wife. They're like, oh, Mom, Dad, I'm so happy to see you. I'm alive. <laughs> I'm still the age I was when I died. Huh? They don't really get into it. They don't really talk much. Not a lot of interaction. Yeah. He's just like, glad you're home, son. <laughs> yeah. They were just
2: waiting for him. They
0: were just waiting for him. He comes back. <laughs> you are supposed to be like fifty years old.
2: They could have done, you know, the, like uh, we never gave up hope because he's still he's declared MIA, not, yeah. K, not KIA. But yeah. nope, they're just like, oh cool.
1: <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs>
0: and we don't we don't get much time here at all before Dolph Lundgren sh- shows up and starts wrecking shit. And Remember just...
2: in, sp- in Spaceballs when they come back in Prince Valley? like wow it's like, oh, oh, wow, it's like that, that it's just that
0: equivalent it's equivalent for sure um, yeah I don't remember the exact sequence of events but um, Dolph Lundgren shows up and uh, they start fighting they do kind of a fun recreation of the opening set piece of the movie where uh, like in the like in the original scene when the Vietnamese woman is running away and um Dolph Lundgren throws a grenade and kills her. Basically the same scene plays out this time um, with Allie Walker's character Veronica running away and uh, throws a grenade. Seemingly kills her. Jean-Claude is so pissed that he does the most angelic roundhouse kick in (laughs) film history. I I put my hands up in the air, like cheering. It was so good. He starts repeatedly kicking him in the head.
2: But that's not even the killing blow. The fight... He's really just getting started. That's just like the, that's just like
0: the. It seems like it's going to be the kick that kills him. Yeah. It's so good. But it's just the starting of the fight. It's a lot of back and forth, kicking and punching. Um, of course, Dolph Lundgren has the edge because he has the super strength juice. <laughs> Muscle Enhancer, I think is what they call Muscle it. Muscle Enhancer. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely right. Um, just beating the shit out of him. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to miss any of the great kicks. I'm trying to, to play it out in my mind. I think he does a cool triple combination in the bar
2: Like a 1 and then a 1-2 Oh
0: yeah, he does a great thing too Where he jumps up on a bar and then kicks him <laughs> Which I feel like that's gotta be in a lot of Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, right? Stuff like that uh, I guess at some point Jean-Claude Van Damme Gets the strength, the muscle enhancer From him Which uh, which gives him the edge And then he basically kicks and punches Dolph Lundgren like 20 times in a row and that's pretty good. Oh, did I miss yeah, another like ear Popeye. joke?
2: Oh, yeah. Was that at that point, or was that earlier in the supermarket when he's collecting ears?
0: Oh, yeah, was it like, do I have your ears? Do I have your ears? Mm-hmm. And he does. <laughs> uh, I just didn't want to. You know, this movie only has so many jokes, I didn't want to skim <laughs> over any of them. Oh, uh, yeah. Beating the shit out of Dolph Lundgren. It's super sweet. Uh, I guess I'll just cut to the finale here where. Um, uh they get near some very dangerous farm equipment. It's what I don't know what that thing is called. I think that's a harvester. A harvester, okay. And I don't even remember if there's a funny one liner before this harvester kick. Uh, before I'm, the kick? Yeah. I feel like it might be more likely that Dolph Lundgren says something condescending. And then in response he just does the ultimate kick. <laughs> And uh, yeah I'm just going to jump to it Kicks him into the spikes on the harvester And he basically gets impaled by all these it's spikes
2: Super impaled In a way that doesn't make sense Like his hand gets impaled So like how sharp is this thing
0: Really sharp <laughs> So sharp But remember Dolph Wundgren still has like one more oomph of strength To reach out and try to pull Jean-Claude Into the spikes and uh, But he just kind of pulls it back
2: And that's I remember there's a one liner there
1: so I don't um, remember what it is He only
0: has like 10 lines yeah. yeah I don't know Like buckle up or something <laughs> Cause there's a lot of seatbelt jokes I totally skipped over that great seatbelt joke Where uh It was from way <laughs> earlier
1: in the movie Where
0: Dolph Lundgren appears in the backseat of their car And they hit the brakes And he goes flying through the windshield um, Yeah, Cause he, he didn't buckle up <laughs>
2: Yeah He didn't buckle up <laughs> Okay, I know at one part he says you're disar you're discharged, Sarge. That's what he
1: says,
0: and I'm like, hey, that rhymes. But like, did he know that rhymes? Like, did he know that was clever? Is that the best he could learn, or is it just a coincidence?
2: Um, but going through the IMDb quotes, there's also a part where Dolph Lundgren says, "Say goodnight, asshole," and then Luke says, "Goodnight, asshole." So maybe that's, maybe that's the one-liner when he kicks him into the, har- the harvester.
0: That would make sense. And uh, he goes back to uh, to where Ali Walker was supposedly killed to find out she's not dead. Not that surprising. I think yeah, we, we somehow totally unharmed. And I, I can't find the exact line on IMDb, but I feel like the last line of the movie, I found kind of strange. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? It's something about him saying like... Um, and uh, not bad for fifty-year-old. I'm fifty. <laughs> it's just something like that. You're like, oh, I guess, yeah, I guess he would be fifty if, you, if we did the math. It just—it's never any mention of his what his actual age would be. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, and then the movie ends and goes into—I'm not going to say it's the best song in the world, but it's definitely a contender. Uh, it just starts going. Body count, body, body, body count, body count. And it is indeed Ice T and his group Body Count, famous for the uh, for the the song "Cop Killer." Same guess, album, same album. Yeah, I, I had to look that up. Uh, I'm just surprised that there's so there's so little to this song. <laughs> yeah, it's just body count, body, 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 body count. Because this movie had quite the body count, man.
2: Yeah, it almost makes it seem like it's an original song for that.
0: (laughs) But no way, right? No, it's just another Law & Order alumni. Uh, So yeah, that's Universal Soldier. I'm going to go ahead and say it. It was not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. I think this movie is fine. I don't think it's that bad. I think it has some pretty bad performances. But I think the stunt work is very good. I think there's some really good action set pieces. I, I respect in a way that it kind of cuts around the jargon and the bullshit. Maybe it needed some of that. But the movie moves. I was never bored. It's it's pretty forgettable. If we weren't doing a podcast on it, I would have forgotten everything about this movie already. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I can see this. And I see, yeah, I see why Roland Emmerich went on to make action movies. He's a competent, he knows how to film action, he gets it.
2: I just wanted more from the action in this. I think the damn sequence set a high bar for me in them actually engaging in the concept of the movie Uh that they didn't really return to until, I guess, the very end. But that also could have been in a bunch of other action movies where it's just two burly dudes beating each other up. I, I wanted more about the fact that these are immortal super soldiers and less about them just being tough
0: dudes. So really like maybe like see like someone chop off someone's arm and then see them keep coming after him.
1: Yeah. More
2: terminator,
1: less <laughs> rambo. Yeah, there's nothing like that over the top about what they do physically in this movie. I mean, he does fly through a windshield, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, but he's like hurt and he has thing. to be put on ice to heal, too. It's not yeah. like he like flies through a windshield and gets back up.
0: I'll admit it would have been nice to know the extent of what these soldiers can really do. Honestly, we don't really see them do that much that a human couldn't do throughout mm-hmm. most of the movie. I mean, they survived some pretty crazy stuff, but... And still, in, like, a 90s action movie, I could imagine, like, Sylvester Stallone surviving most of these stunts, being a regular person. <laughs> that was just the 90s, man.
2: Yeah. It really gave me even more respect for Gemini Man. For Gemini <laughs> How that movie's elevated Another the r- game.
0: Another great movie written in the 90s. <laughs> uh that's weird how there was this trend of I guess it was carried over from the 80s of uh, you know getting big burly dudes to be in these action movies but I feel like in the 90s these were way more successful bigger movies whereas the 80s they were more kind of niche movies I don't know maybe Commando was a pretty big hit when it came out it it probably was a decent hit Uh, but the 90s really amped it up and people like Roland Emmerich and Michael Bay were on the forefront of this I guess uh, earlier I said that I had another fun little question I want to ask you guys. Um, so Roland Emmerich and Michael Bay, even though Michael Bay is probably he's more famous, he's the household name. I'd say they're very much they're the the '90s action guys. <laughs> what makes them different, if anything? What what makes these filmmakers unique to each other? Can you think of anything?
1: I just feel like Michael Bay's a lot more stylish. I mean, Roland Emmerich's a more of a meat and potatoes kind of action movie director. I don't know. I, I just feel like Michael Bay is just doing a lot more on screen. Usually too much, but <laughs> I don't know. That That's just kind of my instinct when I think about the differences.
2: I think that's fair. I think people talk about Michael Bay as someone who is like came up doing commercials and music videos but mostly commercials Mm -hmm. and so he has that expertise of I can tell a complete story like pack every frame full of information and give you everything you possibly need to know in 30 seconds and then he stretched that out into two hours plus over and
1: over and over Uh, yeah it makes it exhausting (laughs) a lot of the time but uh yeah he's trying
0: I'm, I guess I would argue for Roland That I think he's a, a, a bigger believer In the strength of the supporting cast Now Michael Bay likes his dumbass Supporting characters in his movies as well he's, He made Armageddon It's got a lot of dumbasses in it That are spewing one-liners But I feel like Roland Emmerich Takes a little more time to make his characters A little more grounded and silly um, he, He's not as much a, 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 With the exception of this movie He's not usually a guy who casts Macho men leads. Mm-hmm. Like, even Armageddon has Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck, and Pearl Harbor as Ben Affleck. Whereas, like, I think of some of the leads in Roland Emmerich movies, Matthew Broderick, James Spader, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, he he, 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 he likes the nerds. He, he puts the nerds in his action movies. They're, 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 there's a lot of annihilation. And granted, he did put Will Smith in Independence Day, but he also put Jeff
1: Goldblum in Independence Day.
0: So, I think Roland Emmerich... Uh, but, he likes the that, That's a
2: Jeff Goldblum Who just is also The star of Jurassic Park He's still a
0: nerd man He plays He's like oh, What if a uh, com- computer uh, We use a co- computer virus To uh, stop uh, to <laughs> And I, I think of certain It's tough Because I, I keep thinking Of these Oh these quirky side characters Michael Bay has those too though <laughs> but Yeah just, but Michael Bay's Are just like What if I say something racist <laughs> 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 or, like, what if I just totally humiliate myself in a scene? What if I pee my pants? What, 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 is, what is the actor that totally makes an ass of himself in Transformers? I think there's a couple, but... <laughs> John Turturro? John Turturro. That's definitely one where he's, like, just embarrassing himself on screen. <laughs> Whereas I feel like some of the more silly characters, I think of people like Brent Spiner in Independence Day, or even Randy Quaid in Independence Day... I feel like a little more charismatic. They're in people. on the joke. Yeah, exactly. They're not just, they're not like a jester <laughs> on screen. So I will, and I guess that credit goes to Dean Devlin, too, because Dean Devlin was, for a long time, Roland Emmerich's go-to guy. They worked from Universal Soldier. I'm not sure where their partnership ended, because at one point Dean Devlin went on to direct himself. He made Geostorm. Geostorm. Jesus um, What if I made 25? Like, they certainly didn't work together on Midway, but they worked together for a long time. So it seems like he's not involved in Midway. I don't think so. I'm not positive. Let's see who wrote Midway. He might be. I'm not. I I just. I feel like there was a point where they stopped working together because Dean Devlin wanted to focus on directing himself. Um. So I don't know. But yeah, I think Roland Emmerich. I think he does care a little more about writing. Um. But yeah, he's not a stylish director by any means. He's uh like you're saying, um, very meat and potatoes. Um, though they are very similar in many ways Him and Michael Bay like They both oh, yeah. they both love practical effects But they also both love crazy CGI They both love ensemble casts They both love when things go boom And they've <laughs> both been pretty damn, damn successful at it Oh Roland Emmerich especially Likes blowing up the White House though That is a, one of the most Striking images of the 90s I will argue that blowing up the White House on Independence Day
1: yeah. And he did do White House Down He just had to bring it down
0: again
2: Um, The writer of Midway Is Wes Took Who wrote One episode of the TV show Jean-Claude Van Johnson I've seen it
0: I've seen the show
2: Uh, And also 10 episodes Of the TV show Colony And that's it Then he wrote Midway
0: Breakout I don't know if there's reviews for Midway I assume they're going to be bad it, No way that's going to be good That feels like Roland Emmerich making a Michael Bay movie <laughs> it, feels like Mike, it feels like he's doing What's called a Michael Emmerich it Feels like he's making Pearl Harbor He's got to shit out his Pearl
2: Harbor <laughs> it's be- 15 years later
0: <laughs> I wonder if that means um, Michael Bay has to do his Universal Soldier Okay, Universal Soldier remake Who do you cast? Sean Connery's still alive you want to bring Sean Connery back from Universal Soldier? Sean, did you hear about uh, Sean Connery? This is totally off the rails. We're never, never going to find the end of this conversation. Did you hear <laughs> about Sean Connery was one of the people considered for Gemini Man? Whoa. I don't know at what point this was, but they thought it would be fun to have old Sean Connery fight Jake James Bond era.
2: <laughs> oh. Don't tell Michael Bay about that. He'll still do it.
0: <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah, Michael Bay would probably do The Rock and... Uh, I don't know, Mark Wahlberg. They're going to fight each
2: other in his Universal Soldier. Which pain one's which? <laughs> yeah, that pain again, guys.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say uh, Mark Wahlberg is uh, is Luke Devereux this time. Mm. That sounds like a boring <laughs> movie. But I'm actually surprised they have not remade really Universal Soldier. Uh, fun thing I did not they get don't get...
2: need to they're just so many similar movies yeah you know I
0: didn't get to look into this too uh, apparently this movie spawned a uh, a popular f- uh, franchise a very small but like dedicated cult fan base because apparently the sequels to Universal Soldier many of which do have Jean-Claude and Dolph Lundgren returning are totally crazy and take lots of risks and over the top some people say like, the most recent one which may have come out either this year or last year is like the best one they've ever made so <laughs> wow. that's kind of interesting to see that they've kept this series going but like i've experimented with it so that's kind of funny it lives on it had its influence um but yeah most importantly started rolling Emmerich's career um i don't know that it did that much for for jean-claude or dolph i guess jean-claude made time cop that was i think his biggest movie after this yeah
2: hopefully time cop is the movie i want yeah
0: i'll make sure to pick time cop at some point (laughs) Uh, and then I guess, hey, b- both these guys were in an Expendables together I think they were both in, in one together Yeah,
2: you're telling me even though he Dolph Lundgren's the bad guy in Expendables 1 He's like a friend
0: Yeah, because at the end of Expendables he's like, I'm sorry And then he's their buddy again for the rest of the Expendables movies He tried to kill them Yeah, but he learned his lesson
1: Vegeta rule
0: Yeah, so he becomes an even closer Or, or
1: Fast and Furious rule
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs>
2: in fast and furious i don't know if you can come back after oh well, no you can you can come back after betraying the team because dom betrayed the team and he came back
0: yeah. um yeah it happens you know, sometimes you just gotta team up and take down jean valaine Jean claude's character in expendables <laughs> three or whatever that is okay so yeah a uh, universal soldier it's not that good but it's not that bad I, that's my take do you have any John's Goofs for us this week? I did write a John's Goof earlier. Let's see if, if it was interesting. Okay, I'm going to read it in the way that it was written because this sounds like nitpicking. So, um, Here's John's Goof. At around 42 minutes, when Luke and Veronica make their escape from the motel, they drive through the office and interrupt the motel owner's mother reading a newspaper. <laughs> Are we to believe she sat and happily read the paper during the previous sequence when the motel was shot to pieces by four heavily armed men? Apparently, <coughs> valid point though. <laughs> she sat there the whole time, but I think that's what makes it so good.
2: <laughs>
0: She's oblivious.
2: She probably nearly fainted because she just saw Jean Claude Van Damme walk around. Yeah, what you gonna
0: do? Big a run for it? Grandma's like, "Whoa, get my
1: stroller, <laughs> get out of here!"
0: So fuck this goof. <laughs> uh, yeah, enough about Universal Soldier. Uh, let's talk about our our pick for for next episode.
1: Um. Okay, so that would be my pick Mm -hmm. uh, for next week. So (laughs) I feel like I keep choosing kids' movies for some reason, and I'm really trying to get away from that, but I'm going to do it for one more episode uh, because a sequel to this movie is coming out. I'm choosing Frozen because i've never seen it even though it's one of the most popular movies ever
2: you're doing what i do a reverse of our typical pick norm where you're the one who hasn't seen it and the other two have
1: i guess that is what you do yeah yeah you guys have both seen it i'm guessing
2: i wonder how it will hold up for me Uh, because I only saw it the one time, and now I know exactly what to expect, as opposed to before, when I was like, it's the
0: Raiders! Yeah, I I, I have some controversial opinions on Frozen. (laughs) We're going to get into this.
2: I was uh, very disappointed to see that Cinerama, my favorite theater in town, has chosen to show Frozen 2 instead of Knives Out uh, later this month. But that's probably the... Fiscally responsible decision to make. Yeah, we
1: we we want them to you know keep making money and stick around. They're in a very expensive part of town. (laughs) Also, I believe isn't Disney Plus starting like next week? I don't know. Oh, you know, I already
0: know what I'm going to pick from Disney Plus, and it's going to be delightful.
2: Is it going to be that fucking Lady and the Tramp (laughs) live action bullshit, John? Don't you do that (laughs) to us?
0: No. I'll give you a hint. It's a, I want, Well, we'll see if I end up picking it. But they're adding a '90s movie that I would love to rewatch. Don't guess it now. You can you can guess it off podcast. Theodore Rex. Uh, I know. Is that Disney? Is that '90s? It's probably '90s. <laughs> no. no, it's not Theodore Rex. But that's we're talking like weeks from now. Um, yeah, I get to do it. But pick. we hope we hope you're listening weeks from now, uh, listening to the pick, which you can find on iTunes by searching "Mildly Please." or go to our website mildlyplease.com and find other episodes of the pick and other podcasts that we may have there. Uh, so yeah, that is the the pick, the podcast that's almost human, almost perfect, almost under control.